What up, DGens? How's everybody doing out there? Welcome to iDGen, where each week we track down and explore the most interesting stories in crypto that we can find. We examine hacks, DeFi exploits, and anything else that feeds our curiosity. Come one, come all, and enjoy this podcast with us. This week's show, as always, is an ever-evolving format, and we're testing out some new things and uh, hopefully enjoy it. My name's Hunt Fry, and I've got my co-host here, Zach Wolf. What's up? Zach, you've been uh, researching some cool stuff in the crypto, DeFi, and NFT hacking world. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, so with the new format here, we're thinking to kind of check in each week with a run through of all the wild stories we can find to kick it off would love to go in depth on all these we don't have time so we track down our favorites and we're going to run through them yeah my favorite of the week on the DeFi hacking side elephant money flash loan attack nets a hacker 22.2 million usd worth of various tokens let's see second story this is huge u.s officials tie the north korean lazarus hackers to the Ronin Bridge attack. <clears throat> wow, that's the uh, Axie Infinity hack that we talked about on our first episode, right? Yep. So that is now being associated with North Korea's Lazarus Group. As a result, Tornado Cash has now blocked sanction addresses. It looks like they had started working on that maybe a month or so ago, blocking sanctioned addresses from their Twitter account. Tornado Cash uses Chain Analysis Oracle contract to block OFAC sanctioned addresses from accessing the DAP. Maintaining financial privacy is essential to preserving our freedom. However, it should not come at the cost of non-compliance. Final story this week on the DeFi NFT hacking side. It looks like there's another former Bored Ape holder suing OpenSea over that inactive listing bug. Just keeping an eye on that to see what happens there. Just, you know, interesting to see these guys suing OpenSea for them, you know, losing their apes. It's always the apes, it seems like. Either they're the targets or they're not the most educated NFT holders. But uh, I found some uh, general crypto news that excited me this week. And, uh, from the New York Times, the Wolf of Wall Street, love him or hate him, former crypto hater, is now considering himself a crypto guru. So slowly but surely, everybody's coming around. And then from Crypto Slate, uh, Russia to legalize crypto as a means for payment. Some pretty interesting timing on that. Russian's Ministry of Finance is working on a draft of regulations that will legalize crypto as a payment method. I wonder how uh, Janet Yellen and our other regulators are going to see that one coming and how they'll spin it. And then next, uh, another from the crypto slate, Monero community set to blitz centralized exchanges uh, in coming Monero run. Um, Suspicion of centralized exchanges overstating XMR reserves will be put to the test when they coordinate a run on Monero. So basically, people are going to all at once withdraw their Monero and try to prove that these exchanges have said that they have their Monero, but maybe they don't. It's like a bank run of the 21st century. So some pretty great stuff. And uh, I'm also really excited to get into our feature story about uh, Coinbase and some insider trading. What do you know about that one, Zach? A lot of talk this week on social media 
about this. Coinbase dropped an article on the 11th titled Transparency for New Asset Listings on Coinbase. The article starts out, starting immediately and as a part of an effort to increase transparency provided by providing as much information symmetry as possible, Coinbase will be using this blog post as a pilot to communicate assets under consideration for listing in Q2 2022. So what's going on here is they're you know, letting us know what tokens are going to be listed ahead of time, giving us an idea of, uh, I'm sorry, what tokens might be listed. And so the article itself triggered a lot of suspicion. Social media, a lot of blockchain sleuths went crazy trying to track down, you know, hey, if, if Coinbase is dropping this, you know, is there a reason that they're announcing this? And so what we started to see were all sorts of different research related to potential insider trading. A lot of hacks, a lot of coins that people had never heard of before. And all of a sudden they're looking at the charts and probably noticing some uh, suspicious bumps in those charts and started to uh, investigate on their own and see what happened and who was buying and why uh, they might've been buying early. Yeah, so here's a let's let's look at a specific example of uh, Crypto Max. This guy on Twitter, someone made a fresh wallet and front ran seven figures into UPI and AVT before the Coinbase announcement of listings. Shady. I did check on EtherScan. I looked at his links, and indeed, there was a purchase. The, these purchases were made February 11th. Before the Coinbase announcement on February, I'm sorry, the purchases were made February 8th and Coinbase announcement was February 11th. Now, it, with an example like that, I feel like we have to be careful. Causation is not necessarily correlation. Correlation is not necessarily causation, right? So it's it certainly looks sketchy. Definitely. But you, you just, you never know, right? Someone maybe went big on a couple coins the next example, however, uh, this is from at Kobe on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter, one of, found, found an ETH address that bought hundreds of thousands of dollars of tokens exclusively featured on the Coinbase asset list posting about 24 hours before it was published. Wow. I mean, I think, uh, have you finished reading that quote? Oh, uh, over 11 hours, the wallet spent... There's a whole bunch of numbers listed here. We're looking at over probably $250,000 on five, six different tokens. The key to this part is that every single token that this wallet bought was on the Coinbase list. 100% of them. Wow. Yeah. And there's nothing that wasn't. So what is that? One, two, three, four, five different tokens. Every single one of them. That's uh, that's some pretty damning evidence. And I think the the crypto haters or the people on the outside are going to be looking at this one saying, you know, look at this insider trading. Another example that crypto is bad or scams. And I say the opposite. I say, look at this. Our community is finding these wallets that are buying these these tokens. And now these these wallets are flagged and people are, are watching them to see how they get their their coin on and off. And so, you know, I think it's a little bit of the community self-regulating itself. Definitely, it's nice to have the public blockchain and the ability to to look at these things. There's a post that I spotted on Reddit 
where a lot of the non-crypto people are using this as an opportunity to point fingers and the, the title is actually crypto fans begin to understand the value of a regulatory body in reference to an r slash cryptocurrency post where this insider trading is discussed or called out this is a little frustrating to me because it's obviously not the case that crypto folks are just thinking or understanding the value of a regulatory body this is it's an incredibly complex you know topic and it is not it you know everyone in crypto doesn't feel the same way that's oh, yeah. the simple easy way to to a, start a lot of differing opinions some people are that libertarian and they want total no regulation decentralize everything and some people say no if we want them to take our industries seriously we need to allow them to have regulation but the key is to have them have thoughtful regulation and not have you know regulators who don't understand the technology putting you know a square peg into a round hole but people who understand that hey we want to be transparent and we want to be tax paying and legit businesses but we also don't want to give up our key principles of being decentralized so yeah it's a big spectrum of how people feel in the community right and with something like this you're dealing with Sure, they're, they're crypto token listings, but this is a U.S. business, right? And this is a centralized U.S. business. Yeah, so this, this isn't Uniswap. This is Coinbase. Right. And so, you know, I feel like regulations apply here. I mean, I don't know. Like Coinbase is going to, okay, let's say regulations somehow don't apply to Coinbase at all or they're written, you know, for only securities or, or something of that nature. Coinbase stands to, you know, not to benefit from from this happening. The community, I think, already has. There's a lot of folks that, you know, don't love Coinbase. Yep. But if this were to continue happening, now it is worth note that this is a, a replay to some degree. You know, going back to 2019 with the Bitcoin Cash debacle where there was large purchases of Bitcoin Cash made on Coinbase just before the listing. So this is not new to Coinbase. Or it's not new to anything. This is a, a story that's as old as markets is, you know, stocks, people tell their neighbor something about their, their stock getting listed and they buy it. This is something that we're just kind of calling out and catching on due to the transparency of the blockchain. And people are actually able to look at these charts and not only see that somebody was buying, but tell you, what wallet was buying now that wallet doesn't have a name attached to it but they can start following it to see if they send it to a centralized exchange to get it on and off so you know i think it's a, a story as old as time but it's just uh, a, a new version where there are crazy markets and lots of volatility people will try to gain an edge and a lot of internet sleuths yeah speaking of uh coinbase there was also some some other news that was going uh pretty rampant on coinbase too that kind of got thrown with the insider trading tag but when we looked at it a little more it it wasn't as much of what meets the eye uh what happened there zach so i was looking into this one hunt and the reddit post that had quite a few upvotes calling out this insider trading had screenshotted a number of different tweets and in these tweets different folks had tracked down addresses so we looked at the one that kobe did uh, the other gentleman's uh, uh, tweet that we looked at 
one of the addresses or one of the tweets from a guy named at Alan Stacked was pretty, uh, pretty compelling or sensational. It reads the Coinbase Insider made a purchase roughly two hours ago for about ten thousand dollars. The buy is currently worth one hundred and thirty-one thousand dollars. Unreal. Very shortly thereafter, he replies to his own tweet, $364,000 now. Shortly after that, $500,000. Continues up to $612,000. A series of tweets. We've got 800 likes, 400 likes. And then about 12 hours later, he replies to himself and he says a follow-up to the last tweet about the Coinbase Insider. It looks like it's a scam token <clears throat> that doesn't allow you to sell. Ooh, false alarm. So he was he was calling out somebody, and he's not really sure of the details yet, but at least kudos to him for at least kind of owning up to it. Yeah, and, and the reason that I found this one so interesting, there, there's two main reasons that I wanted to talk about this. The first is what he did find, what what he was looking at is is a whole different kind of interesting scam of its own. The first main point, though, is that it had nothing to do with the Coinbase Insider. And this was, you know, basically uh, one of these cases where, you know, the pitchforks are out on Reddit. Everything's hyped up. The news is spreading like wildfire. But, you know, as it turns out, it wasn't accurate. You know, I mean, like I said, 800 likes on, on that final tweet where this guy had turned 10K into 600K didn't really happen but what did happen is super interesting so there's a application called nansen ai if you're not familiar it's a blockchain analytics and intelligence platform there's all kinds of cool stuff you can do they track uh different addresses they track different tokens nfts they give you these really incredible dashboards to help you look at the flows in and out one of the many dashboards that they offer is one called smart money token inflow so they look at different coins and they associate the flows of those coins and tokens with different wallets that are known to be, you know, smart money. So if someone has successfully executed a number of good trades, you know, an address, right, that may, based on their analytics, get associated or tagged as a smart money wallet. And then they watch they're, what's going to and from. They're well watching to find out these guys who are making all this money and then they're tailing their picks, which uh, doesn't seem like too bad of a strategy in, until this scam came around. Right. I mean, it's I, I think I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that do really well using Nansen. It's a it's a great platform. And in this particular case, though, someone actually scammed the smart money dashboard. So they were aware that, you know, Nansen exists and they understood how they track things. They exploited a, an interesting, there's different ways uh, with solidity and transactions. You can set like the two address and it could be a little misleading perhaps. And so what they figured out was that they were able to set the two address to one of these smart money addresses. And uh, sorry, maybe it was the from address, but they, they, flipped the addresses up. And so it caused the dashboard to show this particular token as being, you know, extremely large amounts flowing into smart wallets. It was mooning, <clears throat> right? It was, it was ripping. So according to the dashboard, this token was taken off. People are watching it. And the hope by the scammer is that people see that 
and they buy it up. And they buy it also before doing their own research. They buy it before figuring out what this token does or anything about it. And that might be their uh, what what messed them up in the end. Right. I don't know how many people bought into this particular token, but super interesting that someone went out of their way to set this up, to, to set this trap, to, to make it look, you know, because, you know, you say do your own research. A lot of people consider these Nansen dashboards as their research, right? They trust them. And I know based on the tweets related to this, Nansen was, was on it very quickly with a fix to ensure that this particular type of kind of scammy looking transaction wasn't going to appear on their dashboards in the same way. Yeah. But super interesting. So what happened when they when they bought this token of these people who he trapped in there? How did they get scammed? Did they buy it and they couldn't sell it or what happened? Oh, right. So the token doesn't allow you to sell. That's exactly right. Ooh, wah, wah, wah. So you buy into this token that's mooning and it, it might even keep mooning because nobody can sell it. Right. And then all it takes is a couple people making small purchases at high amounts, right? So if you spent like $100 to buy a very small amount, you can keep that price jacking up. Just keep little buys like that. And yeah, price shoots up, but nobody can sell before it. Anybody yeah. realizes, I mean, really, you catch like, I don't know, five or six people with five or 10K on a scam like this. And and in reality, there there might have been somebody with 100K or a million. There's a lot of uh, DGENs out there who who just like to, to push it. So I sure. feel, feel bad for those people. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Definitely, that's definitely. Well, that's never a, bad advice. That's a pretty elegant scam there of just, you know, thinking three steps ahead of just knowing that people are watching Nansen looking for a coin that's starting to moon and they just kind of ape into it. And that's what happened. And they didn't have liquidity to get out. So hopefully those people learn from it. Hopefully people learn about this type of scam and maybe think twice before buying something um, that they don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And just a reminder to be wary, right? Sometimes it just takes a little bit of time for the truth to settle. Yep. So Elon, Elon seems to find a way to always be in the news. And this week is no different or even magnified 10x because Elon made some pretty crazy moves. A uh, lot. This is an ever evolving story where literally we continually find out more information about this. But what do you know about uh, the shenanigans that Elon is up to this week with Twitter, Zach? So the high level, as I understand it, is that Elon ha has attempted perhaps unsuccessfully, a hostile takeover of Twitter, offering to buy up all shares, 54, 60 a share, I believe. Yep. And which I guess the, the idea was is that that would be something that the shareholders would undoubtedly be interested in, in yeah. their best interest. Everything I've heard is that that is an extremely fair price for uh, buying out Twitter because I think the price was... 40 45 dollars and so you know he's offering 20 percent above what the market value of twitter shares are and everything that i've read is saying that if twitter does not take this deal if anybody else offered them this deal it would be an instant sale it would be just despite elon that they don't want him running the twitter and i, I want to know more about like what is why does elon want to buy this twitter and, and what does he want to do with it so that's 
the interesting question. What's the end goal here for Elon? And looks like yesterday, April 14th, at a TED conference, he said that it's not about the economics. It's for the moral good. And what we're getting into here, of course, is the free speech, right? This is the... um, it's kind of been this ongoing conversation or topic. Yeah, that's, you know, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, Zach, but, you know, that sounds really good on paper, especially to a lot of crypto people and DGENs, you know, like we want free speech everywhere. And I, I know I feel that we do too, but when you really think about it, you know, there's got to be a line somewhere. There's there's a spectrum on all this. Like you, you can't have people posting videos of them harming other people or, you know, where that is, you know, there's got to be a line. But what do you think, Zach? So here's what it comes down to. Uh, This is from the protocol or protocol.com. We got all these in the the show notes if you want to track them down. It says the Tesla CEO has said he wants to make Twitter more, quote, free speech friendly and open source the algorithm that ranks and displays tweets. Critics say that those changes would let bots and trolls overrun Twitter with abusive tweets and spam and likely drive away users and advertisers. So there's a lot to unpack here. On the free speech side, I feel like it's a, uh, what do you call it, a dog whistle. I, I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of thoughts on the difficulties of content moderation I can empathize with Twitter on, on this side a great deal. However, this is a really interesting idea of open sourcing the algorithm that displays the tweets. This would be really fascinating to see. You've had different political parties, I think a specific political party, claiming that this algorithm, you know, these algorithms have not favored them. And as a private company, it, it doesn't actually it doesn't matter. Um, sorry, Twitter is they're they're public. Yep. Um, but as a public company, as as a company, you don't have to. There, there's no laws that force you to open source anything. Well, most don't. Most that's the opposite. That's of capitalism and proprietary businesses. Is you you don't tell people what's in the secret sauce, or everybody's going to be making the sauce. So, in this particular case, the idea that Elon would buy take over Twitter so that he could open source the algorithm. What? It's like, hey, Elon, open source Tesla's technology. You know, it's like that's it's I think that Elon likes the idea in his head and he talks a big game. But like, has he ever moderated a platform? Or does he, has he ever, you know, dealt with social media? I think that he's talking a big game. But I think if tomorrow he had full control over Twitter and did this exactly what he said he's going to do, I think he wouldn't love the outcome of the bots and the hate speech. And, you know, personally himself, Elon himself asked a, a, a Twitter user to take down a bot that tracked Elon's plane. And he said it's a safety reason. He doesn't want people to know where he is for his safety. And it's yeah, well, I can respect that. I understand. But on this new version of Twitter, there would be no possibility of that. So, you know, it's a little hypocritical. Yeah, there's, I've been thinking about this in the context of how Twitter evolved, you know, as a platform, as a website, and that these policies 
you know, they're what got it where it is today. And of course, you could make the argument that they could have done things differently. But if you were to go and, and dramatically kind of change the way that Twitter moderates content, free speech, I don't, you're not going to have the same site. And I, I, this, the concern, they sound a little dramatic, you know, that it would chase away advertisers and, and these types of th those claims. But you're, I, I really do think that it would become a different site. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge Twitter fan. I don't, I, I am way more of a lurker on Twitter. And I just kind of try and get interesting crypto, you know, news and stuff off there here and there. But um, I don't I, I think it would really it's, it's very difficult to keep people engaged and happy on a site. If, you, you know, as, as an example, uh, 2018, Hunt and I put on a conference uh, discount here in, in Boulder for crypto and one of. You know, we, we brought in our, we, we got really lucky. We were super stoked that we landed a keynote speaker, Jared Polis, governor at the time, Colorado. And we tweeted about it because we were excited. Yeah. And pretty quickly we got, you know, the uh, anti-gay folks, you know, tweeting it, it was at least one guy. They completely hijacked our thread. They they totally took over and took us trying to bring light on cryptocurrency and talk about this event. And they made it into a debate about sexuality. And it was like, how did we get into this mess? And what, what like, like I said, I, I'm not a big Twitter guy. So I was like, oh, whatever. I'm going to delete this. I couldn't delete this guy's tweet. It's like, oh, you can block him. And I don't know if things have changed. But to me, I was like, I... I don't, this is not a platform that I, in its current state that I want to use. So the idea that, you know, uh, we want to go in the other direction, it, it's hard to say without knowing specifics. It's easier, I think, for, for me to look at like open sourcing the algorithm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't feel like it's a wise business decision from a, a standpoint of curiosity. I would love to see how it works. I would love to see... There's got to be bias in there of some kind. It would be very difficult for it not to have some bias in there. And that's why they don't want to open source it, because there's probably some really smart people who made some really proprietary moves that are great for their app, but maybe not great for the users and maybe not great for humankind. And to, to close the loop on the event that we did and it, the post getting hijacked, it was it would be 20 times worse if we did that. We would make a post about, you know, the weather today and have 10 people talking about hate speech or, you know, whatever, you know, risque topic that they couldn't talk about on other more centralized platforms. And it makes me heavily consider if I want to be a Twitter user, if this is the case, and if the experience is going to be good and only time will tell, you know, I'm not making any rash moves and deleting my account today, but I definitely think about it. And I wonder is, you know, Elon, the type of guy who I want in charge of, you know, what is right now my favorite social media platform where I get all my information, where I spend most of my time. And I think that answer is no, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It's, it's going to be wild to see how this all plays out. And, you know, if he hires the right people who actually do understand content moderation, or if he's even thought through this plan, you know, I wonder if Elon had a, a you know, was in the middle of the night and had this idea. And if he ran it by anybody, or if he just tweeted his intentions. So it'll, it'll be interesting.
right? Like if we, what if we apply this same, and this might be a terrible comparison, but think about like if you had, you know, you built an amusement park and this amusement park did really well. People had a great time there. Things started, you know, as you grow, there's a lot more people, things got difficult, different types of people interacting. You have all, all kinds of problems start to emerge. At what point, you, you know, as a company, are you going to be required to, you know, like adhere to rules from, from people outside of your business? Like I, there, there's laws around, right. You can't deny service to people based on, uh, race, sexual orientation. Yeah. Gender. Right. So these types of things, there's, there's those, I, there's laws around that stuff, but like outside of that, if you build your amusement park and you want a certain vibe there and that, and you, you build it that way and it, that vibe is what helps it grow. And then, you know, it's, I don't know. It's not like the government here coming in and saying, Hey, Twitter, you have to do this, right? This is different. This is like Elon trying to take it over a citizen so that he could, could do this. But I just, I don't think it would work out, man. It's probably the opposite. I think the government would have some qualms with things if there are people posting videos of murders or posting meetups for hate speech where they are willing to say that we're going to all go commit a crime. I think the government's going to step in and say, you know, like, hey, you can't say that. And so, like, maybe his plan is to totally decentralize it. It's it's hard to say without really knowing what Elon's plan is. He talked about his grand vision and his goal, but he hasn't really talked about how he gets from point A of a centralized, you know, uh, social media to how he gets to a point where it's an open sourced and decentralized social media. So we're going to have to stay on this one. I'm I'm pretty excited to like follow it. Excited, nervous, scared. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's been exciting, and I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah, as of it looks like the latest update here today, the board of directors unanimously voted to invoke a shareholder's rights plan known as a poison pill. The move will allow Twitter shareholders to purchase additional shares at a then current exercise price. So that's just to spite Elon. That's literally their their defense mechanism to try to use some creative ways to, to spite Elon. And I also, if you're Twitter... Well, that, I mean, I don't think it's to spite him. I think it's to prevent him from successfully... Yeah, hostile taking over their yeah, platform. Yeah, as I understand it. I don't know. It's... Uh, and then there's to be talked about if, if they say no or if they don't accept this offer, like, Elon seems like a kind of spiteful guy just from his tweets. And, like, what does he do... If he does that, if it does, he tank the price of Twitter with selling off his 10% that he already owns. Nobody really knows what's going on in that guy's head, but it's definitely something to think about that. There are uh, probably consequences in either direction. Indeed. And one of the things I always fall back on is this discussion is, is now emerging from, you know, Russian troll bots and Chinese troll bots influencing elections and, and these things. It's anybody's opportunity to step up and build a different social network. And when we look at every attempt, as far as I know, that has taken the absolutist free speech route, hasn't done so well. And there's probably a reason. Right? I mean, I it, you know, I don't know... I read an article by Nick Carter yesterday on this topic 
and he feels pretty strongly that it's this this liberal view that Twitter shouldn't be Twitter should have the right to deplatform people and it's it's kind of astonishing to me I can't really figure out you know as, as someone who's always trying to start and build new companies myself the idea that I wouldn't have the freedom to build and run my company in the way that I want is kind of astonishing. Like, I don't understand how, you know, this idea that like, Hey, you, you, you know, we're going to tell you how to run your business. Like, again, it's different if it's Elon taking over and open sourcing the algorithm versus, you know, uh, someone stepping in and saying, Hey, you can't deplatform Trump. You know, it is, it is a pretty, like, it's pretty crazy. That was a wild scenario. Yeah, that set a precedent. See. We've never seen anybody of that stature, like the president of the United States, lose their power to communicate. But we've also only had, what, five, four presidents in the time of the internet where you would be able to deplatform somebody like that. So. But see, to me, I don't think that's a fair statement. He didn't lose his ability to communicate, right? Twitter is not like a, a public service provided by the government. He still, he can go elsewhere. He could communicate in other places as long as, you know, he didn't violate their terms of service. And, and that's why I'm kind of like, I don't know. I, I try to flip it around and look at it if it were, you know, different, you know, like if, if the roles were reversed and I don't know. I feel like if there isn't a law preventing you know that behavior like you as a company you have your terms of service like yeah i agree it's a, it's a very slippery slope and it's uh you're, you're never going to get consensus from everybody especially in a you know a crazy wide group like twitter that everybody's going to like this new format of twitter um regardless of how it turns out so we'll definitely need to definitely need to stay up on this one so exploring you know different new formats here let us know what you think yeah, I, as all I know is I'm having a blast doing this. I, I look forward to coming over here and recording these with you. These are conversations that we would be having regardless, and we just decided to throw a mic in front of us and start recording them. And so if you're out there and enjoying it, let us know if there's something you like or uh, some feedback you want to give. We'd love to hear it. And uh, hopefully you guys will tune in for uh, more of our conversations about the, the crazy things that are going on in crypto, blockchain, Web3. Yeah, you can hit us at IDGenFM on Twitter of all places. Hunt, hopefully you're <laughs> I'll stay keeping on an it. eye on it. Yep. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for uh, checking out the show. And we'll be back next week for our fourth episode. Later, fellow DGens.